Hello, welcome, and thank you for joining us. My name is Brian Black. I'm with my co-host, Charlie Guild, and this is Mentor Monday, brought to you by Discover a Mentor. At Mentor Monday, we sit down with inspiring mentors and leaders in various backgrounds to gain and share insights about business and life. Now, what all of these guests have in common is a genuine interest in helping others, and mentoring has played an important part of their life. We feel pretty strongly about the power of sharing the stories of authentic people, and we think you will too. So please follow and like this podcast. It really does help get the word out. And if while you're listening, you think of someone that would make a good guest, please nominate them at info at discoverementor.com. And now for today's interview. While she's often referred to as a millennial whisperer by her clients, this week's guest, Megan Robinson, is a big believer that leadership skills are consistent across generations, and she makes leadership approachable for everyone, regardless of title or experience. She is a principal at eLeader Experience and works with individuals and teams to develop self-leadership skills that grow companies. She started her career in marketing, growing at advertising agencies, Fortune 500 companies, and eventually, she even started her own marketing agency. After grinding her way through yet another business therapy session, Megan discovered that her true passion was in coaching and is now a John Maxwell certified coach and disc trainer. She is president of the Association for Talent Development, Chicago, ATD Chai, the leading learning and development organization in Chicagoland. Welcome, Megan Robinson. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you for coming around. Um, what we all like to do, as you know, we'd like to start off with our fast five, right? Just five quick fire, straightforward questions that one answered, help once answered, help the audience get to know you a little better. So if you're ready, Hit here me. we go. <laughs> <laughs> what is your unfair advantage, Megan? Um, I've often been told I'm wise beyond my years. Um, <laughs> do you make stand on that? Sure. Um, well, I, I don't know. I, I was expecting fast questions, fast answers, right? Um, I've really always been able to take a lot of information and distill it and learn from others very quickly. And so that's really given me a strong foundation and a wide, wide swath of information that really helps myself, my clients, businesses thrive and capitalize on that, frankly. Okay. What did you think you would be when you grew up, when you were a kid? Uh, I was 13 years old when I decided I wanted to be the VP of marketing. And then I kind of did it. <laughs> There's no kind of about it. I, uh, I really didn't know what I wanted to be until that moment. And then I went straight for it. Guns a blazing. How did you know what a VP of marketing was at 13? That cracks me up. <laughs> it's unique. Um, for Yeah, I, I was looking through different resources and career kind of things and starting to kind of think about it. And I really loved business, but I really didn't want to have that kind of generic business background. And I found marketing advertising was this beautiful combination of having a artistic um, expression with a very strong application and measurable results. So I looked at blending those art and sciences together and it just started singing for me. All right, nice. Okay, changing gears here, literally. First <laughs> car you ever owned? Um, the first car I ever purchased was a 1976 Chevy Step Van that my husband and I converted into an ice cream truck. Wow. 
Do you still have it? We do not still have it. We did sell it. Um, I did some body work on that, actually. Uh, there, there was a real conversion going on. We painted it. Um, when we lived in Miami for, for a brief stint, um, he ran an ice cream. He's a pastry chef and executive chef. So he did all the ice cream and uh, I was working in advertising. Really? You lived in Miami? When was that? What years? Uh, oh, <laughs> and like about seven years ago. Uh, what was seven years ago? 2013, about 2013, 2014. I lived in Miami throughout the 90s. So we missed each other by a decade, but another conversation for another day. My dad lived there in the 70s. So what what do you think is the best meal of the day? Uh, Absolutely breakfast. I love having hot breakfast. I do not skip breakfast. Um, and I eat a lot of eggs. I think egg is about the perfect food. <laughs> and uh, if you've ever been a Portlandia fan, um, they had that put a bird on it sketch. And I quickly converted that to put an egg on it. Every single dish, um, you add an egg to it. It's that much better. And it instantly turns it into breakfast. You got no argument there. Not, not at all. Yeah, I, love I, love it. I, love it. I love a good hamburger with an egg on it. Oh, yeah. Now it's breakfast burger. Had an egg sa- carbonara. I, I truly had an egg sandwich last night. Not even joking for dinner. Okay. Megan, what is the quote you would put on a billboard? Mm, This was a toss up. I actually had a couple. Um, But what's really something I've been uh, leaning into a lot is a Buddha quote, which is what you think you become, what you feel you attract and what you imagine you create. I go to that a lot. Okay. So we're going to go after the fast five, they were probably fast six or seven because we did expand on those, but we're allowed to do that because, you know, we're hosting. Um, <laughs> talk to us a little bit about um, your, your philosophies on things. Do you swear sometimes when you make a point and what's your relationship with swearing? Um, I absolutely do. Um, no I, I, <laughs> I do enjoy it. Um, I try to keep things professional, but there's a point that it inevitably will come up. It does add extra color. It is colorful language. It is color for a reason. Um, And I believe in using all the crayons in the box. So it does have some extra power to it. Um, I'm completely comfortable with it. I think most people are. If they're uncomfortable with it, they'll let you know. Um, But it's it's also authentic in a certain aspect where if you feel it, you got to say it. And argue with that. Right on. What age do you think you were when you started to listen to the wisdom of others? Ooh, I was very young, actually. Um, a lot, I feel a lot of kids didn't necessarily listen to their parents. They didn't listen to uh, a lot of adults. And I, I think I was a little bit more afraid of failure or and, and not doing something right that I really took to heart what my parents said, what my teachers said, what my grandparents said, the adults around me. So I, I realized why in the world would I make the same mistakes if they've already done it for me? <laughs> so I, I would probably say about seven or eight. Um, weird kid if you haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. Okay. So Megan, what is your central truth and how did it come to be? Ooh, I, I really believe that we all make our own reality. And I've rephrased that a little bit over the years, but really I remember going to college um, and I'm from Portland, Oregon. I went to college out in Boston. So it was a little bit further away. It was a very different experience. I was like, I knew no one out there. And I'm like, this is where I'm going. This is what I want to do. And so I, I go across the country and I just had a fantastic experience. 
And I looked at all of the people. It, it's a huge city. It's a huge school, all the opportunities. And I really said, life is completely what I'm going to make it. And there is no shortage of opportunity here. There's no shortage of people. So when I went back for Christmas time and holiday break, you know, I'd have some friends that weren't having a great time at college or were struggling with different things or couldn't find their friends or their people. And I was like, what are you talking about? There are tons of people everywhere. Like this is a choice that you're making or you're not letting yourself see it. So I believe very strongly in creating your own reality, building your own future and taking complete control over that. Let me build on that. When you, when you're working with a client, if that were to come up, does it come up and can you, uh, I'm going to put you on the hot seat. Can you think of a time it came up and, and how you help them manifest that truth in, in their own life? You know, I think it's always a perspective shift. And, and it's really hard when you're in the middle of it, but taking responsibility and accountability for your own contribution to the situation. Um, trying to think of the, the week I had, <laughs> um, I did have a client that has a lot of struggle with um, kind of for them. It, it's actually an issue of um, feeling respected um, or disrespected in this case in the workplace. And looking at what they did to really fuel that or to um, let someone ignore them or to not pay attention to them or how they responded to a situation is very much in their control. They can't control how the other people acted. They can't control whether they went behind their back or didn't take their advice, but they do have the ability to stop and say something about it and how they want to handle that situation or how to set expectations for the future. Um, But actually, sorry, another story is coming to mind. Um, one of my favorite clients is, uh, a young, young director. And she actually took a step back to be a manager, uh, because she needed to have a little bit more time for herself and her, she had some health challenges that she was going through. So she took that step back. So she wouldn't have to have such a intense job. And by the time she told me she was <laughs> working until 9 PM at night, every single day. And I was like, wow, you know, you, you took this role so you would have more time, but yet you're still in the exact same situation. And really looking at how she responded, what she did to create that reality. And I find a lot of people earlier in their career, they like to blame organizations for their surrounding or the culture. They, they leave jobs because they think it's a bad culture fit or so-and-so is not a great boss. But after two or three or four or five of these jumps, they realize that, yeah, the culture might not be perfect, but they're still contributing to it. And they still have to find a way to navigate it and take responsibility for their own actions and build something that they want to be part of. I get it. I can relate. In fact, I'll share with you a story of my own. And Brian can attest to this. I've said this maybe a thousand times. I, I like to tell people, just remember, wherever you go in this world, the first person you meet when you get off the bus is yourself. Somebody once told me that about 20 years ago, and it just stuck. I mean, it makes sense. Are you running to something or are you running from something? Either way, you might as well just face up. There's no need to run. <laughs> Getting comfortable with yourself is really, really hard. And taking that account, that complete accountability and responsibility is often that first step to change. And that first step to creating a, a stronger reality for what you do want. Yeah, it's scary for some people, but it's also, it's the most empowering thing that it's like, no, it's down to me. It's me. Right. All right. So I'm going to give you a, we're going to have two megaphone moments tonight. 
this is an opportunity for you if you want to shout from the top of the rooftop if you want to. Um, who would you call out to thank and what would you be thanking them for? Um, I, I can never thank my parents enough. And I'm sure that's a pretty common one, but you know, parents give you so much. And I was so fortunate to have incredibly loving and caring and supportive ones. Um, I'll probably share this podcast with them later. And they're like, Oh my God, you mentioned me. And they'll start crying. Um, they won't do that, <laughs> but they always deserve to be thanked and their willingness to listen and to support and encourage um, is something that I am incredibly grateful for and know that it's not something that everyone had that experience. So the opportunities they gave me, um, the way that they supported me um, always goes down to the lessons they taught me continues to resonate and to be building from that. How, how often do you, do you talk with them? Do you, do you like still, I'm, I'm guessing you take, still take advice and solicit or otherwise, but how often do you chat with them? Uh, I have a really hard time taking my advice, taking advice from my parents right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sounds a bit like, you know, Advice is one of those funny things that if you're not asking for it, it's really hard to hear. So um, she already told you they'd, they'd be listening. Now you just made it awkward. Hold for on, her I was just it. trying to spell advice. What is it? <laughs> well, you, it, it's funny. They, they know. I'm like, um, what is it that I say? Don't tell me what to do. That's been a really great one. I actually say that to my husband too. So it's not just parents. I'm like, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> they love that. But they do, um, they, they are supportive. I talk to my parents actually probably daily, um, almost. I, I have little pockets of time and, and we find great opportunities to just have those brief moments of connection. Um, but advice is one of those tough things. And, and I often talk about actually with my clients and that um, early level managers, emerging leaders, that going to their parents for advice is great, but there's also a point where their advice doesn't resonate, or it doesn't align with your values, or it's not as applicable as it used to be. And there's there's nuggets in there. There's definitely nuggets of gold, and there's also always some lessons. But it's really hard to start to find your own path and know when to take advice and when you need to follow your own. Well, you know, you kind of beat me to a question I was going to ask you because the word advice had come up in one of our previous conversations and I was going to, I was going to call that out. Um, so let's continue the conversation about advice. Um, where do you think advice falls in the spectrum with, I don't know what I would call critical thinking? <laughs> um, advice and critical thinking aren't necessarily the same thing. I'd say um, there's, there's a lot of advice traps and I, I hope you'll pop it in the show notes, but there's a fantastic Brene Brown um, podcast episode on her dare to lead podcast um, talking about some advice traps and how to stay curious just a little bit longer. And oftentimes advice is meant to be helpful. We all want to help and we want to jump in and we all have such wise experience that we want to share and that goes up, it goes down, it goes to people, your friends, your coworkers, your kids, um, <laughs> your parents sometimes. Um, I definitely give my parents some advice. Um, but solicited and unsolicited advice is always important. And giving the right advice, 
Because so often we want to jump to conclusions and we want to say, oh, here's some advice for that. Or we think we know the problem. And there's so much more to uncover and to understand before we really know if the advice is what we're looking for. So almost that critical thinking needs to come before you give advice. And that staying a little bit curious and really identifying what that problem or challenge is and staying with it longer. But advice can also kind of get in a trap where when you're giving a lot of advice, you're making the assumption that the other person doesn't have the answer, or you're assuming that they can't figure it out. And so there's an element of disempowering the people around you when you give them advice too quickly. And I think a lot of um, managers or leaders that, you know, having the right answer and having the answer is something we are trained to love since school. Um, And I'll be the first person to admit, I love being right. (laughs) I love having the right answer, but uh, (laughs) it it doesn't help anyone around you. And and when you're really coaching someone or mentoring someone or guiding them to find the right answer for them, it's a much more powerful experience that builds some of that critical thinking that gets them to look at the problem and start solving it. Sorry, I went on a bit of a tangent there. No, no, that's 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 what we're here for. That's terrific. But I heard another question in there that I want to follow up with. Um, The difference between coaching and mentoring, you seem to draw a distinction. You want to elaborate on that? Yeah. um, I think when, when you reflect on who the best mentors in your life were or what makes a great mentor is an aspect of coaching. And coaching really draws from the assumption that they don't, a coach doesn't have the right answers. A coach is there to help you discover the right answer for you and for you to, um, to figure that out for yourself. And I loved um, another coach actually called it a, a facilitation between yourself, um, really playing that role of how do you ask those right questions? How do you bring out the answers that you intuitively know, but just take that extra beat to start thinking about and listening to and processing differently. Um, which a lot of mentors, they do that, right? They ask you more questions. They get you to solve the problems. They don't just give you the answer. And oftentimes mentors are are placed and, and looked for because they have experience. And so that's that really big difference is you're looking for a mentor often because they have a certain expertise that you're looking to draw on, which is helpful. And especially when you look at, you know, when you started <laughs> learning from others as a, as a kid, and I always love learning from others and hearing those stories, but really, really great mentors ask great questions and they help you discover the answers instead of just handing them to you. Today's interview is being brought to you by our partners at Discover a Mentor. Discover Mentor is the online mentoring platform that brings mentors, protégés, and companies together in a way that is intuitive and simple. At Discover Mentor, they believe that when goodness is supported, greatness is revealed. Join Discover Mentor now to reveal your greatness. The Hyatt Place, Chicago Wicker Park, where style, innovation, and 24-7 convenience create a perfectly seamless stay. The Hyatt Place. Hashtag why settle. Our friends at Incredible Bank in Madison, Wisconsin. Incredible Bank believes a lasting relationship with your bank starts by providing incredible customer experiences in every aspect of your banking relationship. And our production partners at Trend North. Trend North helps companies and senior executives close the gap between their ideas and actions by providing them with scalable brand development and tactical marketing resources. Now back to this week's conversation. Okay, Megan, so... 
from where do you draw inspiration? And and put a pin in that too. What would you what would you say? Maybe to inspire a twenty two year old version of you. Wow, um, I love that you're asking how to inspire a twenty two year old version because. And someone else, actually, um, I was on a podcast, they asked for, what would you tell your 18-year-old version of yourself? And I look at not just what do you want to tell that person, but what are they able to understand and what's going to help them with those next steps and and how can they process it? Because uh, at 22 or 18 or or any of those ages, including apparently now, sometimes they don't like being told what to do. (laughs) Um, So so giving that unsolicited advice, but inspiring them. for me, it was really understanding that you don't have to have all of the answers to really be a leader. You don't have to have all the answers to, (laughs) to be right. You don't have to have all the answers to succeed and being able to find ways to draw on the world and the people around you is really where you're going to get more collaboration. You're going to have better answers in the end. And it's going to alleviate all of that pressure on yourself. And so I look a lot at, at leaders that don't have all the answers and there's some that try and hide it. I look at leaders that are open and vulnerable when they don't have the answers. Um, and those that try like hell to put them all together and to carry that torch and that burden on them. So when you ask, you know, where do I find inspiration? It's really from everywhere and everyone. I do a lot of networking. I connect with a lot of people and I get to hear fascinating stories about what they're doing or what drives them or what their perspective is of the world. There's articles and content out there that is pretty wide from where you're going to find it or what might resonate with you at a moment. And so I I look at how I read or what I read, not just as Here's information that I need to soak up, absorb, and and change my behavior. But how do I apply this to my life? And what does this mean for me? And taking that really, like we mentioned earlier, that that critical thinking approach to it, to taking it through just a step further of how do I want to challenge this idea a little bit? Or where do I, I see this working best? So inspiration, uh, a, my, actually my high school art teacher used to have a quote, um, you can't wait for inspiration to hit you. You have to go out and club it. Uh, so I, I believe in going out and finding your inspiration instead of waiting passively. That's great. Yeah, yeah. So let me ask you this. You turn on the news these days and you can't help but hear about the challenges companies are having, attracting, engaging, and retaining their people. What insights might you offer those com- those companies? Uh, I always say turn on the news. Like I am so, <laughs> it's amazing how many different uh, resources there are to get news. But it is a conversation that has just been swelling and swelling and building momentum for quite a while. And I feel that it really touches everyone in business. Um, from managers, leaders, to employees, to especially HR. I have a lot of HR conversations. And it looks at it as just this great resignation, um, huge issue, but I really think it comes much, much deeper. And it is about attracting, engaging, and retaining. It's not just how are we going to put butts in seats. It's how are we going to really engage this audience so that they want to be here and that they're excited for it? And how are we attracting people to our company because they want to be here and because they're aligned with our mission? So I go to vision. Um, often. (laughs) 
uh, it's hard to be a, a business and leadership coach without really talking about vision. And it's such a critical element of businesses to have a clear vision and to really focus on where are they going and how do they see that picture and how are they going to bring their team and their employees along for that. And that's true, whether you're just an individual contributor and having a vision for your career or your contribution or your life with it, all the way up to being that CEO and really being in charge of a much broader vision that touches a lot more people. And so when it comes to engaging people, it's really about that alignment piece. And it's really making sure that people are connected to the same goals, same objectives, and they're not working against each other. Um, because there's nothing less engaging than having an adversary uh, when you're both trying to compete for resources or goals or solutions. So I, I really look at, at that vision piece and that communication connection as being that, I don't want to say magic, you know, silver bullet or magic wand, but that element that really is not consistently cultivated in business that really has huge impacts for bottom line, just as much as it does for the employees um, and, and, and how they contribute and what that looks like for success. Thank you. Well, so Charlie teed this up earlier. Now here it comes. <laughs> moment number two, or did I just invent a word? The Megan phone moment. Oh man. I'm so proud of myself. I'm writing this down. All right. I'm going to label my phone right now. Yeah, there we go. There we go. How much eye roll just happened across the world. Okay. <laughs> what critical message would you like to share that you hope is being heard, Megan? Oh, uh, you don't have to be a CEO to be a leader. And as you mentioned earlier in my bio, that I'm really on a mission to make leadership more accessible and attainable. And leadership is so undercultivated right now and so incredibly necessary because really showing up with that leadership for yourself, for your team, how you're contributing to it, that is the opportunity. And you don't have to have authority or power to be a great leader. You can step into leadership as the individual contributor just as much as you step into leadership um, when you have the title behind you. All right, so boil it all down for me. At the end of the day, you do a lot of things, you bring a lot of good to the world. In, in a single kind of answer, crystallize for me, why do you mentor? I mentor. <laughs> I mean, you just said it because it brings good into the world. But it, it really, it's creating something that's bigger than the sum of its parts. Mentoring is not just about an exchange of good or knowledge or services. Mentoring is about creating something bigger and newer than just those pieces isolated by themselves. Got it. That's excellent. Well, Megan, thank you so much again for spending time with us. It was a delight. It was fun. And I, I hope you had as much fun kind of talking a little bit about your past and your, your, your future thinking as we heard as we did listening to you. Um, so we're going to end now with thank yous all around and do that. Um, but, but where can people find you? Where would people be uh, able to, to access you? Yeah, um, my company's called eLeader Experience. Um, eLeaderExperience.com is the best hub for all of my content um, and places to get in touch with me. And I'm also on LinkedIn. Um, <laughs> try to keep the social media game uh, real streamlined these days. And you're on Discover a Mentor. 
and discover a mentor. Of course. That website. Yeah. Look at that. You know, once or twice, uh, it's, it's really popping. Yeah. I think that's that's, a, great, that's a great point though. I'm sorry. I mean, to step on you. That's a great point about kind of streamlining it um, with the social media. That's a uh, quality, not quantity. Anyway, we, we won't belabor that, but thank you. Thank you again. Megan, thank you very much. Thank you so much. So much fun. That's it for another installment of Mentor Monday from Discover Mentor. Please remember to follow and rate this podcast and nominate that next great guest. Today, we've come to you from atop the Hyatt Place Chicago Wicker Park, home of the Kennedy Rooftop. On behalf of Charlie Giles and me, Brian Black, we'd like to wish you well and thank you again for listening.